Welcome back to the E Reads Podcast. I'm your host, Liz, and welcome to the space where we talk about authorship, books, and all the different parts of the creative process. Today is an exciting episode because I have S.A. Schneider, and he discusses his joy for inspiring kids to get excited about writing. And he doesn't just do that with books, but also video games. So here's a little bit about S.A. Schneider. He has a wolf, so of course he writes middle grade fantasies. Since his Lego and action figure days, he's crafted worlds and stories within those worlds. This pursuit continues into his middle grade fantasies. He doesn't stop with inspiring kids to write linear stories. Oh no, no, no. SA shows kids how storytelling and video games work and how they can learn to write those stories. He wants others to join him in delving into crafting fantastical worlds. So now that you know a little bit about him, let's have a quick ad and get right into crafting stories that inspire children to write. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Steven, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. I'm super excited um, to talk all things about books and how you get kids excited about storytelling. I think that's really interesting. So, um, but before we, I jump into there, I have what <laughs> I call a bookish question. So are you ready? Okay. I am ready. All right. So you mentioned that you love ice cream. So my question I want to start off with is, if you had to describe your books or your storytelling style like an ice cream, which one would it be? Oh, that is so great. I love that. <laughs> I would say blizzards in general because there's a variety and they change and you can get the right one to fit what you feel like at the time. Oh, that's clever. I like that. Because you, you, you cannot <laughs> go wrong with a blizzard because I like all the different like things that you it's like a treasure hunt you could find different stuff in there yeah so i like that and all the the knockoffs they're just not quite as good no. the, you know the blizzard still holds you know supreme in my mind absolutely absolutely um and i'm kind of curious how did you get start like so passionate about storytelling and, and writing that's a good question because i don't really know the good answer to that <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, it, you hear a lot of people say, oh, I've always written my whole life or I've wanted to be a writer my whole life, that type of thing. I really didn't. I was very creative. Um, I was a musician. I've done like played D&D &D and written some modules for my play group. Uh, but I've, I never wanted to like, for my whole life said, hey, I want to be a writer. I want to write stories. But when my daughter was 10, yeah. I was the Girl Scout leader for her group. And I noticed all the girls were pretty big readers, but they were all reading books that had a, a boy in it that were all mm -hmm. male protagonists. And I'm like, you know what? These girls need some female books. That's right. And that was over 10 years ago. 
and things have changed. There's quite a few of those now, but that just got it in my brain that, you know, maybe I could be the one to write those books because I deal with these girls every day. And then in 2015, I, I had like the universe speaking to me and it sent me some signs and I said, okay, I'm not going to ignore the signs uh, and I'm going to start writing. So I, I drug my feet a little bit. And in 2016, I said, this is my resolution. And by Christmas, I had a book done that I gave to my parents and stuff. And then the editor got a hold of it and we ended up pulling out literally 50% of it. And I set it aside and said, it's too much to deal with right now. And I moved on. I may go back to it. I had a good idea when I went and saw the new Spider-Man uh, multiverse yeah. movie. It gave me an idea for that first book. I'm like, ah, now I think I can fix it. Oh, so, that's so exciting. Yeah, I love love the Spider-Man movie. And I, it, it's great to give me a great idea for my first book. So, oh, that It's always nice when you watch something or you read something and it just sparks that creative spark you know what i mean like oh like that's so exciting yeah and there, you just said we always get that question How, where do you get your ideas from you just said the answer it's it, it it's always there if if you can't wake up and go throughout your day and come up with 10 good story ideas maybe yeah, deep down in your soul you're not a writer you're right. not that creative type not saying you couldn't do it but that's just what happens you know Absolutely. it just they come it comes through living. Absolutely. Right. Like every little thing sparks something. Absolutely. Right. Which kind of makes me curious. So your, your story, the, the town uh, magician, tell us about this. Like, what do you hope this sparks in, in the reader? Oh, well, I wrote our, I live by Kent state and they do a wizarding fest every year. Really? And I said, okay. Yes. Yeah. They can't say Harry Potter. And I think even calling it Wizarding Fest got them in some trouble. Um, but it, it was the first couple of years, it was huge. Everybody was there. And I said, I want to set up an author table. But my the books I was writing at the time had nothing to do with wizards and magic. I'm like, so I, need to, <laughs> so I just came up actually on a plane ride to Rhode Island with my son. I came up with a story idea and spent some time, wrote the short story and said, okay, now I got something. And then I did what we do. I'm like, yeah, but it's missing this and it needs this and it could do this. And I said, I'm not ready for this year. So I worked on the book and worked on the book and it became, you know, a 7,500 word short story to a 30,000 word book wow. uh, that with, with plans for multiple books as sequels to follow it, a whole continuing storyline. And I, I, I had somebody tell me this. They said, well, that's your overall theme. Everything I've ever read by you, it's always, there's magic in the world. You just have to find it. Oh, and I'm I love like, that. well, that's pretty astute. I didn't plan it. I didn't say that's what I'm doing. That's just my natural outlook. So it all fit very well to write stories for kids with that as a, an overall theme in just about everything I do. So I, I, when my kids were little, I have a great memory with my kids and this is, this is the type of stuff we would do. And I think it works so well for me as an author is we were out just playing in the snow, running around uh, and whatever. My son said, we need to hunt the, the yetis. I'm like, okay, we just went with it. So we're hunting yetis and we have these big boulders that were covered with snow. And I said, Shh, I think that's some sleeping yetis. And my daughter goes, Nope, it's not yetis because yetis snore. And uh, you know, it, we, it was just, that was that was our time, you know? So I think that type of thinking is just what fits me very well. And working with kids, 
Uh, I did an author visit recently where instead of sitting there talking about my book, I told them, hey, I need a story and my editor's bugging me. Can you guys help me come up with a story? And then I used that time with them to come up with story ideas, but I walked them through a three-part story, beginning, middle, and end, and what's at the beginning and what you got to lead to and, and, you know, creates the major conflict. And then you got the middle that they resolve things in the end with the big climax. So you got to have all these parts. And essentially I got them throwing all these ideas at me, helping me make a story, but I was using it to guide them through learning the parts of a story for their own ideas. And what was great was there were a couple of kids that said, Oh, well, we already wrote a book and they had the, these couple of kids collaborated wrote a book, they folded the papers up, they stapled it, they got cardboard and string and put it all together and drew a cover, put their names on it. And I'm like, that's a book. My gosh, you guys published a book. That that's is so amazing. awesome. So now the story ideas they gave me, I'm turning into short stories. I'm going to put it in a little ebook, make get a printout of it to give to them. But you know, point them, hey, here's the actual stories that you guys help come up with. How uh, so exciting for a kid to be able to see that. Oh, that's so thoughtful. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> I hope. And and with some of the AI stuff, mm. uh, I can actually get some pictures because, you know, I, I'm not spending tons of time on it. They're short stories, but it's really good to have pictures. And I'm like, and unfortunately, I don't have the cash flow to pay an artist $300 for every picture of a right. short story I do with the kids. So using AI to come up with some pictures that go with that has been wonderful for that type of project. Oh, that's so exciting and such a great way to get kids in, involved in in reading and in storytelling. And it yes, yes, it, it, it a question for you, and then I want to know more about storytelling is. When do you think people lose that? Like, as you were talking about, like, kids are natural storytellers about like, oh, look, you know, like with the Yeti and everything, like, where do we lose this? And or how can we protect this? I love that question. I love that you said that, because that's actually a, a problem. I see that parents don't understand the the power of stories and what that can do for their kids. And I'm trying to tell them that if a kid is in fifth grade, and starts writing. And by the time they're graduated, they've learned to write well, not because we're teaching them spelling, not because we're teaching them grammar, but because they've practiced and written stories and they could start publishing when before they go to college and be making money. And, and that's, it, it's a love and a passion that they can have then that they can turn into a love and a passion and a career or even a side career, a partial career, or a second career later, or whatever, uh, something they just do as a hobby. It's whatever. But we skip the story more in school. We focus so much on spelling and grammar, and it's backwards. Yeah. Because as a writer, I've learned my my. I know some grammar. I know spelling. But when you start writing stories and you give it to one of the AI editors or you give it to your real life editor, you find out things you didn't even realize. And but the thing is, if someone had just said, here's the list of rules, I still would have made all the same mistakes. But because I've written a bunch of stuff now, when it tells me, hey, you're starting like every third sentence with an ING word. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I need to correct that. And I understand it because I can see it in my own writing. And we miss that in schools. And I think we kill it uh, yeah. because they're so focused on spelling and grammar and diagramming sentences. I'm sorry. I can't diagram a sentence anymore if you like put a gun to my head. Uh, but I've had people read my stories and enjoy them. So 
you know, do they have to know that diagramming to write a good story? No, not at all. Will they understand the diagramming better if they know how to write a story? Absolutely. So we do it backwards. And I think that's partly what kills the passion for stories. Uh, you know, we don't sit around the campfire too much anymore right. telling stories. It's just little things like that would be, uh, oh man, that would be a great summer camp thing to get the storyteller to come and you tell stories around the camp. Yeah. That's my summer camp idea. That's what I, because I'm like, I, I, I don't know what to do for summer camps because I want the kids to be outside, not inside writing. That's it. Around the campfire storytellers. Okay, I got to write that down. Hold right, on. Go write that down, I, and then I got a next question for you when you done. Okay, uh, what's the next question? There we go. Okay, what's the next question? So you you do a summer camp? No, not yet, but I'm going to now. Tell us because you have workshops. Like you're really passionate about getting kids into storytelling. How do you do that? Like, what are some of the ways that you get kids passionate about storytelling? Well, what we said earlier about where do you get your ideas from? Well, that just gave me an idea. I've been wanting to get into working with some of the area summer camps, but I, I've not been sure. Uh, like, I, you know, we got the storytelling, but eh, that's something I can do in the winter with the kids. So why yeah, they're outside for the summer. Um, and I mentioned the video game storytelling. But again, uh, I know there are there are computer and tech summer camps and that's fine. But I'm really much of the outdoors and let's do stuff outside, we can do computer storytelling later. Uh, so I've been trying to come up with a good thought for what to do it. So there it is. Now I can work up a program, contact all the summer camps and say, hey, do you guys do campfires in the evening or whenever? Uh, I'm a storyteller and I work with kids to teach them stories and we come up with stories and work up whatever program. So oh, that makes me so excited. Like, <laughs> like I told you, I, I'm not just about wanting to do the books. I, I, I want to work with the kids and that's an area uh, I've wanted to do. So thank you for helping me like that no idea. I love that. No problem at all. You know, you, you mentioned the, the, the video games and storytelling, but I'm curious, tell us more because I think we forget that there are storytelling and I used to love role-playing games and in thinking about it, it, it was because of the story. So please tell us right. how, you know, your thoughts on blending those two. Well, I've always played video games. Uh, I, I'm quite a bit older than most of the kids I talk to. Uh, I, I got an Atari the year it came out. So well, that tells you a little bit there. But games have changed. You know, when I had the Atari, I had Space Invaders. Don't, 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 don't. And I shoot them. I'm like, there's not much story there. Aliens are invading and shoot them before they invade. Yeah. Let's move on, you know. But, you know, the games nowadays have such rich stories and they're turning video games into movies and TV shows like The Last of Us. I mean, if you want a good story uh, and you're OK with the violence and the zombies, The Last of Us is an amazing story. The, the opening sequence, I, I was like, oh, my gosh, I was upset because of what happens in that opening sequence. And that is good storytelling. It's just video games are very much immersive as opposed to uh, the the word on the page or movies even. T totally different way of telling a story because the person becomes the character. So it's a you got to approach it differently and think of it differently. You still want to get your beats in there, but the person, the uh, player is in control of the character. So it's a different way of telling stories, but I think it connects with the kids because Video games are huge. They're bigger than the movie industry. They are bigger than football in America. So it's an area that is growing and more people can be involved in it. And 
just recently, since I'm from Ohio, this is the other thing that pushed me to go with this, is just this year, the Ohio High School Athletic Association passed that esports are counted as um, for kids in high school and they can get varsity letters in esports. Yes, that kids in Ohio. And the reason is because some of the colleges in Ohio are recruiting for their esports teams in college and they want the best players and they're giving full scholarships to go to go to college and play video games. And I have told this to parents and they're so incredulous and you always get the kids going, yes, yes. I'm like, so play more Fortnite, you know? And the parents are like, don't tell them. I'm like, but don't we spend how much time and effort and money do parents in America spend taking their kids to uh, football, basketball, baseball, going traveling leagues, buying the equipment, sitting there for the games and practices and practices yeah. and games and just rotating because uh, sports is a great thing. I loved playing baseball. I loved playing soccer when I got a little older. Uh, Frisbee was one of my mm-hmm. favorites. I, sports is fine, but not everybody's good. Not everybody wants to do that. And it's now expensive. We open it up. I didn't it's- realize. Like we, I forgot. I think it was like 3000 a, a year can be spent on just the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. If you're having, especially with kids, they grow. Yeah. They can't use the same uh, pads that they had the year before. Uh, at least basketballs are standard size. So, you know, that's the same. But uh, I, when when I heard that, then I'm like, okay, this is how big video games are. Right. Kids are so involved with video games. It's so much a part of their life. And it's not unusual, you know, video games and comics. When I was growing up, it was for kids. If you played video games and read comics and you were above the age of 20, you were a little weird. You were, you were, you know, people look down upon you, but not now, you know, that I'm in the wrong generation because I know people that are in their thirties and they play video games. They read comics. I know people older and it's not looked down upon. It's a big thing and people make money at it. They have jobs at it. They have passions. They love it. And it's another way of telling stories in video games. So it all clicked once again, like the campfire thing. It just clicked. Uh, to, and I talked to some people. Uh, I've got uh, on my bat phone, my hot dial, uh, some people that are in the industry and got some advice and things for them. I've analyzed games and I've got a program uh, worked up so you don't have to do coding. And that was the big hurdle is right. people think, oh, I don't want to code. I don't know how to code. So what? We're not going to code. So it's like a board with blocks. And then you, you're, the app takes a picture of it and turns it into a video game. And we focus on the storytelling narrative aspects of the games and creating the, the story for the game in the workshop. And I, I'm doing that a couple times this fall, working on expanding that. And again, oh, so it kind of goes with the whole books. You know, kids, if I tell kids, hey, I got a video game with a great story, I'm more likely to get a kid to want to do that than read a book. Though there's quite a few book readers too, but it's 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 all part of that. Absolutely. And again, like you've made reading and learning and storytelling so accessible again, whether it's through video games, through, you know, books, uh, through sitting around the campfire. And I think that that's important because, you know, again, creativity can be used in problem solving, whether that's with math, with science, whatever. And I think that it's so amazing that you are are continuing to to light that spark in kids. Um, and also for, for helping me to link storytelling and video games. You know, you don't often go there, but like, absolutely, it, it connects. 
Yeah. Even Angry Birds had a bit of a story to it, you know, a a little bit. And they had characters, you know, somebody had to develop those characters. And of course, you go into the MMOs with like World of Warcraft and some of those. And there's a lot of story in there. There's side quests. Skyrim, I think, brought that to people's attention because I know people that have replayed that with all the side quests, you know, 100, 120 hours or something. And it's because they enjoy the story. They enjoy being that character. And that's the, you know, I can read a great book but I'm reading a great book. I can go see a great movie, but I'm watching a great movie. But when I'm a, playing a video game, right. I am Batman. I am uh, a, an old Western gunslinger. I am a race car driver. And, you know, that's why I like to play yeah. some of these games. You know, I am an angry bird that's knocking down the pig fortress. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially when thinking about the world uh, of VR and all of that and how immersive that is. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, I, got, I got ideas for stuff for that, too, oh my. Uh, that I'm trying to figure out how to implement. Like, I want to do a choose your own adventure Ooh. type uh, thing using GPS. So you're like at um, the Renaissance Fair. So you walk around to the booths and it it you know has a story that you read and it directs you and you choose your own adventure to move around. And then I'd love to get it with like AR. So you, you're at the Renaissance Fair, which already people are dressed up, but when you hold it up, it like overlays the pub and looks, you know, through the, just ideas, thoughts I'd love to like work bursting on. with ideas. <laughs> That they, they, they ooze. <laughs> Absolutely. Please tell folks, how can they connect with you? How can they like, you know, learn more about all these ideas that you have? Uh, everything should be on my website along with resources that I've been making for parents and teachers and educators, uh, things to help inspire kids to read and the study guides and all the books that are getting up there, which I have a couple more coming, but it is sa-schneider.com. So it's sa-s-c-h-n-e-i-d-e-r.com. Lovely. And if y'all missed any of that, it will be in the episode show notes. Um, For any of the workshops, right? Are they just in person? Are there any that are virtual? Please tell us more. I have done a virtual, a couple virtual uh, and that that's where I was trying to work out the ideas of what I needed. And, and I don't like those as well, especially with kids, because they don't pay attention. Um, and it's hard to engage them over the camera mm. as much. Now, you get slightly older kids, 14 and above, that probably would work better. But, you know, I, I got to do a piece at a time and build upon you know what I've got. And it, it's just much more fun when kids are working on the video games to be, you know, walking around talking and getting excited because they want to chat. They want to get excited. They're making a video game. It shouldn't be drudgery. It should be a fun experience like eating ice cream. (laughs) Absolutely. And please tell us about what are some of the books that you have available and where can people purchase them? Uh, Everything's on my website and they have links to all the stores and I'm working on putting those up. Um, I've got the Town Magician series, a fantasy series uh, about a world that has magic, except this one young boy who doesn't and wants it. And when he finds finds out that their town magician protector is a fake uh, because an evil wizard challenges him to a duel, he follows the fake to the grand wizard to see if he's really go get training and hoping he gets trained. And that was the initial idea for the Wizarding Fest up in Kent. And I'm working on book two right now. Uh, and I've got two others uh, definitely ready with a couple short stories to go with it. 
and I have another short, another book I want to get out. And I just started uh, a cryptid hunter group, very similar to Scooby-Doo uh, of some teenagers that hunt Bigfoot and Wendigo and elves and things. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. So that, that'll be out. Hopefully, hopefully book two and the Oddish Quester group, both of those should be out. September is what I'm shooting for. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. And I, I love your passion for storytelling. Um, and I could just imagine that the kids have such fun. Yeah. I, at least I hope they do. My, my kids always said, uh, I was like an, a 12 year old. They, they used a quote from Dr. Who and said, I'm like the intergalactic 12 year old. Oh my goodness. Steven, any last words, anything you want to leave people with, um, before I ask my last question? Uh, well, I think it kind of came out how much I enjoy doing this and how much I enjoy. I, I think we need to encourage our kids to use their imagination and to explore the world around them with magical eyes Yeah, that we're missing out when we don't encourage that creativity. Uh, kids need to be given Legos without an instruction book of what to build uh, and see what they come up with. And that's, that's kind of my philosophy right there. I love that. Absolutely. Um, again, great, great, great information about whether you're a kid or an adult about how not to let that creativity die, like to keep stoking those fires. So I, I love that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So my very last question, Stephen, is, you know, I like to end with some inspiration that we can use in our storytelling process, whether that is in a writing prompt, art, cooking, whatever. So if you had to leave us with a word or a phrase that we can use to, you know, again, in a writing prompt or to tell some stories, what would you leave us with? Papaya. That's a great word, isn't it? That is a great one. And it's the first time I've had papaya. Why papaya? Uh, well, it just always has stuck in my mind. It's a it's an unusual word for a fruit. Uh, you know, people hear it, but have they really ever seen it or tried it? Uh, and in my Town Magician books, I've put in some vegetables, fruits, and foods and renamed them with a bit of a description. So it kind of sounds like a carrot or a tomato. And I encourage kids to draw me a picture. What does this look like to you? Uh, you know, and really what is a papaya? <laughs> you know, we're so used to oranges and apples and bananas, you know, so I, it's just a great word. Eggplant would be another fun one. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. I hope someone gives me eggplant one day. So, okay, <laughs> listeners, you got it. You know, I stay to the end of this episode to see what I do with Stephen's prompt papaya. I can't wait to have fun with this one. Um, definitely going to have fun and be silly with this word. Cool. Great. <laughs> Steven, have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too. It's been really fun. Thanks for having me on. Papaya, Laura shouted. Don't you mean Eureka? Ethan absently replied as he continued to dust off the fossil he had been diligently cleaning for the last five hours. Laura, his friend and fellow research assistant, had not been so diligent. Laura had spent the last five hours rummaging through drawers and stepping around Ethan while she searched for her glasses. Laura turned to Ethan, who still hovered over the fossil. No, I mean papaya. Isn't it a great word? It's a happy word. It's the perfect three-syllable word to express how delighted I am. Uh-huh, he replied, adjusting the light sitting atop his magnifying goggles. Frowning, Laura huffed. When Ethan did not turn around, she called to him. Aren't you going to ask where they were? Nope. 
Laura placed her hands on her hips and squeezed. It was the only thing she could do to keep from strangling him. Sometimes Laura wondered how they had remained friends all these years. Aren't you even slightly curious? Ethan sighed. Placing the fossils gently on the table, he swiveled around to see her. Laura held in a chuckle. With his goggles and lights, he looked like an awkward kind of bug or one of those glowing fish. Ethan removed his goggles from his eyes and gave them a forceful rub to adjust his vision to the room. No, Laura, I am not curious about your glasses. I am curious about what this fossil is and why there is so much dirt on it. Lunchbox. Huh? Ethan questioned. Laura was used to Ethan's moods. When he obtained an assignment, it became an all-consuming task. She ignored his snarky attitude and continued, They were in my lunchbox. I must have set them inside when I finished lunch. Now that I have them, I can help you with the fossil. Sighing deeply, Ethan murmured thank you and swiveled around in his chair. When Laura got to his side, she adjusted her glasses and immediately discovered the problem. Oh, she said. Oh? Ethan raised his brows, awaiting her reply. Laura bit down on her lip and held her breath to stop the laughing. She saw Ethan's frustration growing and hated to be the bearer of bad news, but this discovery had her giggling. Pooh! Pooh! he exclaimed. Laura nodded her head. Ethan removed the goggles from his head and stared at the fecal matter he had been dusting for hours. As Laura doubled over in laughter, Ethan set the hardened feces down and murmured, Papaya.